All right, yo, what's good, everybody? Uh, welcome back to episode, I think, 31 of the Here to Speak no podcast. I'm about to start naming numbers at this point. Uh, as always, I'm Shaquan <coughs> Scott, here with my bro, Dom. Excuse me. Today, we got a very special guest. Extremely high profile. I mean, she <laughs> almost charged us to come in today. Bringing class to the pod. Class to the pod. You <laughs> see how she coming in here dressed. Uh, <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Miss Jaleesha Walker. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm living. I'm living. I'm living. First off, I want to say congratulations. Thank you. Now, officially, congratulations, attorney dope. Jay Walker. Thank you. Thank That's you. Yes. That's dope. That's what's up. How does it feel? Um, I mean, this is like something that I always wanted to do since like elementary school. So it felt good. Like when I passed the bar, I was like excited and stuff. But now I just feel like back to regular. Oh, like, yeah, nothing, nothing special. But I guess it's special. special. But I feel, I, say, don't say yourself. I feel regular. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. I feel regular. Yeah. I don't know many lawyers or attorneys. Is there a difference between a lawyer and an attorney? Yeah. So okay. a lawyer is like, well, your degree that you graduate with yeah. is your juris doctor. So you pretty much graduated law school. So you can give legal advice, but you can't really take on cases and practice. An attorney is once you pass the bar exam and you sworn in, then you're an attorney. Okay, so it's disrespectful to address an attorney as a lawyer. Not really, because I'm still considered a lawyer, too. Okay, like, okay. I could still give the legal advice, but I could also go ahead and take on your cases and stuff as an attorney. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, for the people that don't know you, just floor is yours to give the people a little background about who you are as a person and like you said if you want to get into what piqued your interest since elementary school to make you pursue the career path that you chose floor is yours okay well like they said my name is Jaleesha um I'm from Fort Wayne Indiana I actually grew up on the east side and then I moved to the south side of Fort Wayne and I went to I don't know if y'all know of Hoagland Elementary School it's like way way out I think it's closed now actually and then I went to Lakeside, and then I went to Harding, and when it closed, I went to Snyder with y'all. And then in undergrad, I went off to IU, and I studied criminal justice. I knew that I wanted to be a criminal defense attorney at the time, so I did criminal justice, and I minored in sociology and African diaspora studies. So actually, my first year of applying to law schools, I didn't get into any of the schools that I wanted to go to, and I met with... Um, he was the dean of admissions at IU Law School. So I didn't want to go to IU Law School. I didn't want to go back to a PWI. I wanted to go to an HBCU, and I applied to Howard. Didn't get in, so I took a year off to work, and then I studied more for the LSAT, and I applied to TSU in Texas. So I wanted to go to a black college. I wanted to live in a big city, and I wanted to go where it was warm. So that was, like, perfect <laughs> location. And I got accepted into there. I actually graduated early, a semester early. Okay, and I graduated with honors and then took the New York bar, just found out that I passed, so now I'm here. I'm <laughs> Congratulations. That's dope. That's, That's amazing. What made you want to go to HBU so bad? Like, What that mean to you? So my sophomore year at high school, um, have y'all ever heard of the Black College Club Tour? Mm-hmm. I went on that, and we toured all the schools, and I was like, ooh, I want to go to a black college, I want to go to a black college, but... I was a 21st century scholar, so my mom was like, no, you going to an Indiana (laughs) school, it's free, you going to go to school here. You got to respect that. Yeah, so I did that, and then by the time, I mean, I had a lot of fun at IU, but by senior year, I was just like, man, you know, I really want to be around more black people and stuff like that, and when I moved to Houston, it was actually a culture shock to me, because, you know, up here, we don't, well, I didn't know a lawyer, a black lawyer growing up, I don't know if y'all did, black doctors, any of that, that's like the norm down there, like, it's a lot of self-made black millionaires down there. 
their parents, people I went to school with, their parents is lawyers, their parents went to our school, their parents are doctors, engineers, stuff like that. So that's normal to them. And I'm like, yeah, where I'm from, I'm like the only person, especially from my neighborhood, that's doing what I'm doing. So, wow. yeah, that's what that's why I chose to go to HBCU. That's cool. That's dope. And like I said, that's something to be applauded too, especially being from here. You don't see too much of that. Other than when you are a black woman succeeding or about to succeed because you existence but doing what you're doing that alone in its own right especially from here i commend you for that because you don't see a lot of that yeah didn't see that all and i didn't really have like anybody to ask questions while i was doing it because Mm -hmm. when i didn't get accepted the first round i was just like a little discouraged like dang maybe you know law school not for me and i just started working i think i was making i don't even care about saying how much i was making like (laughs) 20 something thousand a year with my bachelor's degree and i I hated the job and i was like oh my god this is not for me i gotta figure something out and i'm like i know i'm not dumb so i just when it came to taking the lsat it was just like it was one part on there so if you're really good at math you can be really good at law school in the lsat i'm not that good at math i'm like an english person you count me out yeah (laughs) yeah it's a lot of like analytical and critical thinking and it was called the logic games it was just that one section i just could not figure it out like they'll give you like a fact pattern but they leaving things out and you got to figure out the missing things and you get 25 minutes for four games And it go by super fast, and it's just like I could not figure that out, so I couldn't really get a high score. And then when I actually took more time after undergrad and studied it on my own, I finally figured it out. But that was the hardest part, and it's like I didn't have nobody to ask for guidance and stuff like that. Because once again, like here, you don't. I I didn't know no lawyers at all, like at all. So everything was just trial and error, really. Well, that's interesting that you can speak more on that because you really were confronted with a crossroad with that year off. Like, all right, just figure something out or do I just double down and go all in with this and you chose to go all in like can you like elaborate on that like your mindset during that time and what you did during that time period oh my god it was horrible (laughs) so I moved to Indianapolis for the year after I graduated from IU and the first job that I took on they didn't have like many job offers for criminal justice degrees first of all so that's a word of advice for anybody going to college pick your major wisely like if you're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer, then go be like an engineer or pick a business major or something. If you want to make good money coming out and you don't plan on working for yourself because I could not find a job that would pay me well or the job that I took wasn't even really criminal justice. So I can't remember the exact name of it, but I was working at um, a high school through the program with kids with mental health issues. And it was just so funny to me too, because, um, the black kids at the high school who were in the program, they kept wanting to come to me and speak with me and my the two ladies I worked with, they weren't black. So I guess, you know, they started to feel a type of way about that and they took it to like the head people of the company and were saying like, it was one specific young black boy, like, you know, he had problems at home. So he would always just come down and try to talk to me like, Miss Jalisha, can I talk to you about this, 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 and this? And I'd just be like, yeah, you know, it's my job. And they actually told like the higher ups, oh, he comes down and flirts with her all the time and stuff wow. like that. That's crazy. And I had to have a meeting with them. They were asking me like, has he ever been to my house and all of this crazy stuff? And I just ended up quitting a job. Like I didn't give them a two weeks notice or nothing. After the meeting, I just walked out like, I don't know, it just really blew me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to help, you yeah. know. A younger black kid. At the time, I think I was 23, and he was about to be 18. Like, we close in age, kind of, so I can relate to you, but why would I allow him to come to my house or something like that? Right. It was just right. dumb. So, so disrespectful. That is. So, so I quit that, <laughs> and I went back um, to a job that I worked in undergrad. So when I was in undergrad, I was working, like, 
two jobs and interning at a law firm while I was a student. So one of the jobs I did home health aid with elderly people. So I picked that job back up. And then um, I worked at it was like a women's work release facility. I was just working those two jobs and studying for the LSAT because I was just like, it's no way this is about to be my life. Like, yeah. I'm going mm-hmm. back to school. I'm going to figure something out. And That was motivation. Went back in uh, to the LSAT and got got into the school. So I was just like, yeah, something had to give because I couldn't do it. That's mm-hmm. dope, though. Because yeah. like, like I said, you already had a real crossroad and you that on yourself. Yeah, <laughs> it was a it was a real struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet. But I feel like if I would have had guidance, like somebody to walk me through what I was supposed to do, it could have been a whole lot smoother and a whole lot easier. Like it was a lot of stuff that I could have avoided. So once you got into law school, what was that journey like? Oh my god, it was so hard. So <laughs> I was thinking too, like uh, you know, it's at HBCU. They probably don't. Don't ever, ever think that. I was just thinking, like, I wouldn't be as challenged. They actually challenge you more because that's the expectation, I guess, that people have of them. Like, oh, it's not a PWI, so it's not going to be as difficult. It won't be as hard to learn. You can breeze through this. You definitely can breeze through it. So my first year um, at every law school, all law students take the same classes in their first year. But you don't just get to stay in law school. Like, you don't just get passed on. You have to get a certain GPA. So. Wow. After my first year, I know, like, um, at least 50 students curved out before you, we went into our set. So you called a 1L your first year. I was a 1L. And then I went into my 2L year. About 50 of my classmates had curved out. And 2L year was actually the hardest year. So that your 1L year, your classes are broken up um, into two semesters. So you take, like, contracts, property law, um, criminal law, all of that stuff. It's broken into two semesters, so it's slower. Your second year, you have more work in each class, and you're learning it all in one semester then. So it's a whole lot faster. And then it was stuff that I didn't know about law school. Like, um, people hear a lawyer and just think, oh, you're going to make a lot of money after school. No, you have to, um, for those jobs that pay you a lot, you have to be, like, top of your class. And then your first summer after law school, you have to start interviewing for your second summer job. And these were just things that I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. So I had enrolled in summer school in my one L year after my one L year. I went straight to summer school and I wasn't thinking about no job for the next year and stuff like that. But I did get um two good internships my first summer. Um I did a criminal law internship in Houston and then I was offered an internship. I don't know if y'all know Jordan Howard, he played football for IU. Yeah, I know that. Okay. Played for the Bears, huh? Yeah, well, oh, he okay. played for the Eagles now. Eagles now. Yeah, okay. but um, he was my classmate at IU, wow. so he hooked me up with his sports agents because I wanted to learn about sports law, oh. and they offered me an internship in D.C. at their agency, but I couldn't take it because my 1L summer, um, you can't take on internships for a class credit, and they only offered a class credit, but I still got to go out there and spend like a week with them and shadow them. It was super dope. So that's when I was just like, oh, yeah, I want to do sports law. Like, I want to move more into the sports area because I thought I was going to do criminal defense. And I was just like, nah, this is a little depressing. So just that setting. So I went out to D.C. I enjoyed my time with them. And it's called the um, Sports and Entertainment Group. It's an all-black sports agency. Super nice, super dope, super up to par. Like, they got big clientele. So shout out to them. Like, they they dope. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then – but, yeah, my 2 year was the hardest years. Like, I don't even remember how many nights I spent in the library to, like, I could tell you my schedule. I would get up at, like, 6 in the morning, get dressed, get to school by 7, stay there 
from seven to nine, I'm studying in the morning before class. Nine to five, we in classes for the most part. After five, um, I'll probably go get some food, come back, and stay in the library till midnight. And then that was just like an everyday thing. And then Saturday and Sunday is like you get up early, you spend your whole Saturday and your whole Sunday at the library preparing for the next week. Like, it was... You had to sacrifice. (laughs) You don't have no life for real. Like, I only see my family twice a year for a week in the summer and Christmas break. Like, that was it. And then... I mean, we was law students, so we was sneaking into partying and stuff. Like, you, you can party every now and then, but you can't get caught up in the partying because it's going to reflect on your grades. Yeah. And then by the time I got to my last year, my 3 year, um, that was easy. That was the easiest year because it's just like you're just finishing out credits at this point. So right. you're taking electives and stuff, but it was a lot. That's interesting what you said about, um, you know, people automatically hear lawyer and think you're going to get paid a lot of money. Because at one point in time, I feel like I heard there's like a surplus of lawyers. So it's like, but from what you just told me about the difference between lawyers and attorneys, I assume that meant like there's all these lawyers, but not all of them are at that attorney level yet. No, no, no. So no? that's not what it so, is. Okay, so, I'm done. I'm done. Um, I guess now it's a lot of people that go to law school. So I guess okay. what they were telling you, Mina, is just oversaturated. It's not okay, enough yeah. jobs for sense. the amount of people who need to get a job once gotcha. they graduate law school. But even when I graduated, like, I was looking at jobs and stuff. I was already working at a firm. Yeah, I was working at a firm, and then I was just working at another firm. So I was just doing both of those as document review because I knew I wanted to work for myself. But when I was looking at jobs to apply to, like, they start some lawyers off at, like, fifty to 60000 a year, and I'm just like, that's crazy to me. Like, yeah. I don't feel like any lawyer should be starting under 100000 because you just went to school for seven years. Like, that's for eight years. No, it's seven, four undergrad, three law school. That's seven, right? Yeah, I don't seven. do math. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I want to go check. I want to go check. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I ain't going argue with you. Right, the lawyer, not the engineer. <laughs> I don't do the math. But, yeah, so that was another thing, too. One of my reasons for going to law school is just that I like to have control over myself. So I knew, like, with a law degree, I wouldn't necessarily have to work for nobody. So that's, that, that's the reason I chose it, too. Um, hitting on one of my questions that I had in terms of your focus, which is sports law. But prior to that, I always thought, like, once you, like, graduate or pass the bar, attorney is, like, all fields. So, like, if I had some parking tickets I need help with, like, can you help out with that? Or no, you just strictly what you, like, focus on? I mean, a lawyer can help out with whatever they want to help out with. But I'm not licensed in Indiana. So it's different with your licensing. You have the uniform bar exam, which we call the UBE. Um, Texas just adopted it. So this this last test, the scores just came out last week, but this last test was their first UBE exam, and I knew that they were going to do that. So I took the New York bar. Since it's UBE, I can transfer my scores to, like, 50 different states. Okay. But when I took it, we were in COVID. So it's called reciprocity. They had to enter into reciprocity agreements with people. So I didn't get to do all the 50 states. I only get, like, was it like 12 states that I could transfer to? But Texas was one of them, so it was good. Indiana still one of the states that have their own bar exam, so um, you can't transfer nothing here. But after five years, I could wave into here. So if you get a ticket after five years, I got you. But right now, I can't help you. <laughs> no, you good, you good. I was just always curious about that, though, because that's yeah, one of the things yeah. I never really got truly understood about that. Yeah, but if they if somebody accepts a job and sign on a contract like with a big law firm or something like that, in the contract, nine times out of ten, it's going to say that they can't work outside of here without bringing the business into the firm. So, you know, if they don't 
take on little civil suits where they do ticketing or something and they only work in like mergers and acquisitions, stuff like that. No, they can't help you. Oh, okay. Yeah, but gotcha. if, if you've got your own firm, you can pick up any type of case you want to. Oh, okay. That's what I see. That's, I, actually, that's, that's the question. That's, hopefully you learned something here today. <laughs> but, okay. No, go ahead. Sports law. I know we kind of hinted at it. Like, okay, so now where are you at with that whole realm of it? Like, are you actively with somebody? Or, like, what? how does that work out in terms of growing your clientele and whatnot? Yeah, so right now um, I passed the bar. So it's a lot of stuff you got to do besides pass the bar. I passed the bar. Um, I had to take the MPRE, which is a professional exam for all law students. Um, I had to transfer those scores to New York. And then I also had to take the New York law exam, which I just passed in March. So after taking those three exams, then you have to send in paperwork and they got to run your background. Check your, it's called character and fitness. They check all your work history, all of that, st- all of that stuff, uh, pro bono hours, meaning, you know, free work that you did for people. You got to do at least 50 hours and just all this paperwork you got to fill out. Send it into the courts. And now I'm just waiting on them to hit me back up for my interview so I can get sworn in. And then I'm officially done. But, yeah. But outside of that process, the things that I have been doing don't necessarily require me to have a law degree. But it's stuff that I learned in law school. So, like, as of right now, I've been helping people who want to start businesses with, like, filing their LLCs and stuff like that. So I filed LLCs. You don't have to be an attorney to do that. But in law school, I took um, business law class, which taught us everything about all different types of businesses from LLCs to limited partnerships, general partnerships, corporations, all of that stuff. So it's definitely better to have a lawyer. I know people can just file their own LLC, but it's better to have a lawyer do it so it can be properly set up, and then um, you can appoint the lawyer as your agent. Because every, I know for sure in Indiana, every two years you have to report um, your finances to the Secretary of State or they'll dissolve your business. Wow. And when they send that paperwork out, they can send it out to your attorney, who is your agent, and you can make sure that you're doing everything properly. Like, when I tell people how much I charge and stuff, they like... I'm you. You taxing. You doing too much. Really, I cut deals in Indiana. I I've been cutting everybody in Indiana deals because I just feel like you know black lawyers here to really look out. So I'm look out for my people. But outside of here, I charge much more. So it's just like I'm a lawyer. I went to school for seven years. I'm gonna charge what I'm worth. So (laughs) yeah, but it's just the smarter route to go. And then um, with another attorney from my who graduated from my school, he's been licensed though. Up under him, I'm up under him, but I help file trademarks too so you can make sure your brand is legally protected nobody can come in you know steal your logo steal your slogan or anything like that and you know promote their own business under what you thought you owned and then so i do that for people who aren't athletes but then that's a part of what i'm doing for athletes too so with athletes um i build their brands outside of being an athlete but just in a legal aspect so i definitely recommend anybody who does business to do it under an llc name it protects your personal assets so you know if you ever did anything wrong or just anything in the business aspect everyone left they won't come after your personal assets they can only come after whatever you have under the llc financially so it's the smarter route to go like people buy houses in llc uh, llc is considered a person if you didn't know that so you can be sued or sued under llc name you can buy a house a car whatever if you operate as a business you can do everything in the LLC name. So I definitely recommend that. Um, 
And then outside of that with them, um, I draft draft contracts, review their contracts, negotiate contracts, not their actual lead contracts. I don't do those. But, you know, just when they are offered endorsements from different brands and stuff okay. and then getting a marketing deal. So shout out to my best friend, Rod Smith, currently yes, working yes. with him. Um, just actually got him a marketing deal with Lionhearted Sports and... Oh. You know, shout out to them Major. too. Major. Just did their trademark. <laughs> but yeah, so he's my first athlete that I'm working with right now. And something else, I don't know if y'all heard of name, image, and likeness and the law that's supposed to pass with the NCAA. Yeah. 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 That's supposed to go into effect this upcoming I was just about to say, school year, right? Academic year. Well, um, we can talk about that. Um, what happened was California kind of kicked it off, saying, you know, we're going to let our athletes our college athletes be paid and then I know Florida said something too and I think they said by 2022 they were going to start allowing it but you know this is all under NCAA rules so the NCAA had an issue with that so there's actually a a case pending in the Supreme Court right now about this that's what the holdup is because the NCAA was supposed to vote on this in January and it was supposed to go into effect but they suspended the vote indefinitely and what the issue is, this is something that we learn in constitutional law. Um, you have state law and you have federal law. So the state laws where California and Florida and all of these other states are just saying, yeah, we're going to let them make the money. But then when the federal law comes in, it can trump the state law right. and block it out. So now there's an issue, an antitrust issue that's going on in the Supreme Court. So that's still under litigation right now, which is why none of these athletes have started being paid yet. But wow. that's where I wanted to come in at and work with. Of course, I want to work with professional athletes, but I wanted to work with the college athletes, too, because um, I can't remember the exact number, but I know last year. I read something that said the NCAA made like $1.8 billion it's off of the college number. athletes. And what they what those college athletes had kind of nothing. nothing. But you bring in all that revenue in and then people always say, oh, but you getting free tuition. If that law get, and eventually gets passed, could you see people like that going back and like collecting money that they're owed or no? Is that not realistic? Mm, that's a great question. Mm, I'm not 100% sure if they can do that, but... I know there's a guy, I can't even remember the exact facts of his case, but he just actually won against the NCAA and got a huge payout from something that happened with him in college. So it's a possibility, but I'm not sure if they can do that. But you can always appeal a case. So it just depends. There's a statute of limitations. So okay. if it was nine times out of ten, if it was over two years ago, then no. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Because it's terrible. a lot. That's terrible. A lot, a lot of people who lost sports. Yeah, bro. Oh, yeah, I know. But then there's sometimes um, when new evidence or new laws pass, then it can make a change. Then sometimes you may be able to bring it back. But, again, it's probably just based off the statute of limitations. They probably won't let them. Okay. Yeah. That's tough. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, especially, I don't want to get into this, but today's athletes, you always – here, like the misconceptions of, because here we are sitting across from you, from you, and you can learn so much. Is that something that you pride yourself on putting that on the front, on the forefront of what you're trying to get across to these athletes in terms of what you can actually teach them in terms of the LLCs and the whatnot and the intricate? Because I never knew it was that intricate. And so, in order to, like I said, protect all their assets and whatnot, I highly doubt somebody coming out of college is really that forward thinking in that. And so is that something you like you could say you hang your head on in terms of the things that you could offer versus what other agents or somebody else who's doing something similar to what you're doing can offer? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, because all I, I'm not doing anything that the agents do. Uh, they, you know, they negotiating your NFL, your NBA contracts and all of that stuff. So that's not what I want to do. But a lot of times, too, agents aren't required to be attorneys. There are agents who are attorneys, though, you know, and I think that's the smarter route to go because they know contracts very well. But, yeah, I want to teach the athletes or anybody that I work with that's not an athlete just this information because, you know, where we from, this information is just not in front of you like that. So, People don't really even know how to go about asking that type of stuff or the first steps to understanding it. So I definitely want to teach the athletes. I can see myself doing like, you know, before before I just be like, yeah, I'm going to take you on and stuff. Like, I want to learn you as a person because I'm building your brand. So you want your brand to reflect who you are. But I want you to learn in this process, too. I want you to learn what this LLC even is because I always see the little jokes on Twitter like, LLC Twitter, LLC Twitter, whatever. Have y'all ever seen that? Like, yeah. they are just making a little jokes. But, mm. you know, it's very beneficial to have an LLC. Mm. So, But it's like, what are the benefits? Nobody knows. Or just because you filed a paperwork and you got it now, don't mean keep it forever. So what do you have to do to maintain this LLC? I think that's important for them to know. I think it's important for them to know the contracts they sign and what's in this contract, what it requires. Because when I actually got to go out to D.C. to the sports and entertainment group, what they do is they take their athletes on um, retreats and they make them sit in. Like, they have fun, but they have to sit in these uh, classes and learn, too, at the same time. So what they did while I was there, he had me printing out um, all of these old they weren't cases, but just these old athletes who were in the league and how they end up losing all of their money and stuff. Um, you know, not setting up things the right way. Like, there was one football player, I can't remember his name, but he um, bought his mom and his sister a new house, and then he got killed uh, maybe, like, two months later, and they didn't have the money to pay for the stuff, so they end up losing everything, like, everything. You know, he didn't make a will or anything like that. And I don't do probate law, which is where wills and trusts and all of that stuff come in, but whatever client I am working with, I'll make sure the classmates that I have who do practice that now, you need to go sit down, have a meeting with them, and set your state up properly because you just never know what's going to happen. Same thing when it comes to athletes getting endorsements. All of that money is not yours. You have to pay taxes on these endorsements every year. And that's something they don't understand. So then they'll go blow all of that money. Now you in debt and you owe tax money now and stuff like that. So my whole goal is to just make sure you legally protect it all the way around. Not just on the things that I do, but even recommending you to other attorneys that I know to make sure you set up very well. Because how many times have we seen athletes go and make millions of dollars and then end up broke? Crazy. Too many times. I feel like taxes gets a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand yeah, why yeah, at yeah. all. I'm just like, man. But I mean, and what I mean, majority of our athletes are black. What black neighborhoods did you see anybody growing up right. in learning financial yeah. anything about finances? Facts. You don't. Facts. And when when did we learn that in high school or anything? I took I took a tax class in law school. That's the only reason I know. And yeah, right. nobody I know went to law school, so they still not gonna know taxes. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, and then when you do see people getting their taxes done, they got these tax service companies that they put specifically in black neighborhoods to pretty much rip you off. So it's just a lot. It's a lot of stuff that go into it. And I just know like a lot of our, I mean, I grew up around a lot of athletes. I was an athlete myself and I just know like a lot of our black male athletes or even the female athletes sometimes nobody, they're not thinking about that type of stuff. They get that money and they ready to blow it. And they all always got, you know, 
they uncle or somebody who going to watch over everything and they end up messing it up too. So I think that's another thing that's very important to have you a financial advisor. Yeah, I work with a financial advisor. Actually, he um, works with all athletes, and he's actually my financial advisor now because I'm not good with finances, so, you know. Um, and he just tells me stories all the time about, like, you know, this person was supposed to meet with me, but they ended up not showing up, blah, 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 blah. Then those people end up in the hole, and they like, how can I get out the hole now? Well, if you would have met with him from day one, you would have never ended up in the hole. So, yeah, that's that's the goal, though, to protect them all the way around. I want to do it. Well, all black people, I have um, a black lady who does marketing as well. I reach out to her and send her people sometimes. And then he's the black advisor, and then I'm the black attorney. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Like I said, I'm for me, I can already tell, like, this is an episode I'm extremely proud of because, like, one, everything you just said, and just strictly, like, educating people, like, from, yeah, I got my LLC, LLC, but do they really know what all comes with that? I don't. But here I am. Like I said, I hope people actually get tune in and like learn something from this because this is tangible knowledge that you said it's not necessarily taught. But here you are, a black woman teaching us and educating us. And like I said, this is something that is extremely valuable to those who are fortunate enough to be in these positions. But also, you want to ensure that they keep what they have because yeah. you hear those horror stories left and right. Yeah, people who get it and literally lose it. Yeah, and I can't imagine being in that situation. But it's important to really, like I said, take heed to everything that you just said and seek out those resources to. Like I said, keep everything intact for you, not only you, but your family. And so, like I said, I can, again, commend you for everything you, you know, hang your hat on, because that's dope. Thank that you. Really so, yeah. As far as being an attorney now, like, uh, well, being on the other side of passing your bar exam and the uh, other two exams you named, I can't think, think of the names of them. But yeah, MPRE and NYLE. Yeah, I didn't know all that <laughs> yeah, went into it at all. So it's a lot. It's congratulations. A lot. For real, that's a lot. <laughs> um, so now you should be on the other side of that. Is there, um, as far as, like, your network and for what you've seen, is there, like, competition amongst, like, attorneys? Or is it more of, like, a almost like a sorority or just a, a sisterhood or brotherhood? Of like, do you see people looking out for each other or other people trying to tear each other down? Or was it, like, from your point of view, what you've seen? Um, actually, I see a lot of people working together, um, oh. especially for me. Mm-hmm. A lot of my classmates don't do what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm strictly trying to do sports and business. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do, like, family law or criminal law or um, probate law and stuff like that. We A lot of us are just in different areas, different practice areas, so it yeah. helps a lot that we can work with each other. We refer people to each other all the time, or, you know, I'll hit one of them up. Like, somebody asked me to do a contract, like, hey, do you have one of these type of contracts? Boom, they'll shoot it right over. It's never just like, no, this is mine. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Figure, figure it out yourself. Like, it's never like that. <laughs> we all pretty much look out for each other, but... There's still like a, I would definitely say it's a great divide in the legal field between black attorneys and non-black attorneys. So y'all probably don't know this, but there's only 5% of black attorneys in the country and there's only 2% black women. So, you know, it's the great divide. And then with us, like I said, you know, people thinking you're going to come straight out and just make all of this money. The people who making all of this money are in, they call it big law. So you're in big law firms. And it's very hard for black people to even get into those law firms. Like, if you go and look at them now, look at their pages, you probably see, like, one or two black people in the whole company, you know. So that area of law or that side is definitely probably dog-eat-dog world, like, figure it out yourself or whatever. But how we all operate and the people that I graduated from school with, now we all look out for each other for sure. That's major. Cool. That's major. Yeah. Um, just from what I could see from, 
published your stories, you got your own LLCs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Walker Sports Group mm-hmm. and Black Novelist. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on Walker Sports Group LLC? <laughs> my bad, my bad. Thing, I gotta put respect on so that. that is it. I'm glad you said that though. So people who have LLCs don't know this, but it's been very, 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 very important to always put the LLC afterwards. Um, it can make your contracts as you enter into or anything. It can make them voidable because you're not really acting under the business name. So we learned that in law school. Good Get you. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, Black Novelist was a book club, a black book club that I started. So, like I said in undergrad, um, one of my minors was African Diaspora Studies, and I got to learn a lot about black Black history throughout the diaspora all around the world. And I just like, oh, I like some of the books that I read. I learned a lot. It introduced me to a lot of stuff that I never knew about. Probably would have never known about. So, I um, started the book club. And it's been doing pretty well. It's kind of kind of starting to trickle down because, you know, people just really don't want to read like that. But yeah. it, it's been good books. Like, so far we read a book that I recommend every black person to read, especially every black man, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. It just teaches you how the prison systems are modern-day slavery and all the laws that went into it and all the laws that are still in practice today to keep black men and women in prison and pretty much being slaves. Like, it's literally slavery. Wow. Yeah. And then um, we read The Invisible Man, and then we read Michelle Obama's book so far. So it's been pretty cool. Um, And then Walker Sports Group LLC is just my main focus right now, which is what I was saying that I did. I focus on, you know, setting up your entities, um, which I always feel like an LLC is just going to be it for any client that I have. It protects you the most. It's the smartest route to go out of any type of business entity. I don't recommend, like, general partnerships or anything like that because – if you two have a general partnership and he goes and does something wrong and now y'all owe money to somebody and he can't pay it, you have to pay for it. So you know him, he probably would. <laughs> but under an LLC, that would never happen. <laughs> but same with like limited partnerships and stuff, you only limit it to so much of an extent until everybody is still liable. But with an LLC, and don't get me wrong, you can still become liable under an LLC, but it's just a lot harder. So you have to be acting outside. It's called um, ultra-virus, acting outside the scope of your business. So pretty much like if I say, or you have this business where you do podcasts, right, and that's all you put in your your paperwork when you file it, instead of saying any, you can put a general term like, I want to act under any legal aspect, you know. But if you just say, I do podcasting, and then you out here doing other stuff that has nothing to do with podcasting, then you can be held personally liable. Or if you engage in fraud, or if you co-mingling funds, meaning you don't have a separate business account set up, so you mixing the money with your personal money and going to buy stuff with personal money and then taking the business money and buying yourself cars and stuff like that, then they can dissolve your LLC. So you have to make sure you're not doing stuff like that. And then I also... um, you know, do the contracts, draft the contracts, review the contracts, um, the trademarks. And then I definitely um, loved property law when I was in that class. I did very well in that. So I help um, athletes in real estate, you know. So I think it's very important to own homes. And you can't – that's another thing. Like, people be like, oh, I got an LLC. Oh, I got a home. Okay, but 
you got to pay property taxes on that property every year. So you got to know what you're doing when it comes to managing those as well. So, yeah, those are pretty much the areas that I handle. And I don't only do it for athletes, but that's just my target audience. Why should a athlete come to Walker Sports Group, LLC, over a, big, a bigger sports agency or somebody that's more established? Why should they choose you? Choose me? Um, one, because I actually care. So um, I'm just big on the black community. Like, that. I'm just super pro-black, so I want to see all of my people elevate. I feel like athletes been getting so much money for so long, and we still got a hood in every city. Like, we shouldn't even be in the predicament that we still in. So I'm not here to just be, like, the face, like, oh, yeah, you know, I got these athletes. I'm working with these athletes. Like, no, I want to make sure that whatever assets you bring in, that you either maintain those or accumulate more over time, you know. So I have the education to do it. And, you know, I just I just want to see us just do better as a community. So I'm really here to help these athletes do better. And um, the college athletes, I want to make sure they're doing good in school, too. You know? So. Yeah. <laughs> so. So. But now, um, if you don't mind kind of segueing, because you kind of, like, hit, like, dropped a little hint on it about Jim Crow laws and whatnot. Everything that's been going on in today's, like, world, from your perspective, mm-hmm. I know. So, what you are. You said you're an athlete. What'd you do? Volleyball, basketball, and track. Okay. <laughs> okay, sis. <laughs> okay, I had a track offer in college that I turned Okay. Down. Oh, she did. <laughs> <laughs> talk to talk. <laughs> no, but um, what are your thoughts on when you see, like, for instance, just the Chauvin case that just happened? Um, what's your thoughts on, like, all that? Um, so, I'm glad that he went to prison, but I'm not satisfied. You know, people say, like, oh, justice was served, like, Nah, that man's never going home again. He's never going to see his daughter again. The justice would have been him not dying. So, And, you know, I think I read something, like, since 2005, there's been eight officers who've actually been um, found guilty and had to do prison time. And outside of that, there's been, I could be wrong on this number, but I think it said 15,000 murders, though, and only eight people were convicted. So I feel like with the system, they do this thing where, we're going to convict this one person to kill down the energy right now, but then they're going to keep doing what they're doing. What happened right after he read or he was found guilty, a 15, 16-year-old girl got shot four times by an officer and died. Like, we couldn't even get a moment to take it in because, boom, something just happened again. And then, what is it, Dante, Dante Wright, he's being buried tomorrow. He was just killed by the police. So it's like, to me, I feel like, I'm not going to say that. Okay, to me, I feel like um, the laws is what have to change. So I don't know if y'all know about qualified immunity, but one of the firms that I currently work at is a civil rights firm, the Lewis Law Group, PLLC in Houston, and we sue the city and we sue the police department all the time for, you know, beating up our clients really bad, shooting our clients, tasering our clients, just doing unnecessary stuff to them all the time. And most of the stuff is on Body, like body cameras like we wow. see all of it but then again a lot of these cases get dismissed because of qualified immunity we literally have mm-hmm. them you know attacking our clients with no probable cause searching their cars and they're not allowed to search the cars just because they feel like it you know they didn't see anything in plain view he didn't give them the consent to search so you know they're completely wrong like 100 percent wrong and you take it to court but you have these judges behind the benches who are on the police side. So Mm -hmm. they're going to dismiss your cases anyway. So I definitely feel like in order to see a change, one, we need to get a lot more black people into law schools because we need to get black people into those positions of being judges or 
getting into Congress and stuff where we can take out a lot of these laws that are still in place. Like, for example, no, we're not in a crack epidemic anymore, but um, did you know that the mandatory minimum sentencing for crack is higher than coke? Yeah. Still to this day, and that's the same drug. And you know why? Because crack was in the black neighborhoods and it was cheap and Coke was in the white neighborhoods or the more expensive neighborhoods. Yeah, so you know you're going to lock up more black people. It's just little laws like that. There's a lot of laws that are still in place, even with property law. Like, you know, there were laws on us as black people because we were considered property first. We weren't considered a person. Mm -hmm. Even with the Constitution, uh, when they wrote the Constitution, we were considered three-fourths of a person, like not a person. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have um, the amendments. The first 10 are the Bill of Rights. Those weren't written for us. And then all of the laws after that are supposed to be amended, but even with um, abolishing slavery, it says it's abolished, but if you read more into it, then it says pretty much if you can charge a person with a crime, they can become your slave again, pretty much. That's what it says. In in the basic terms. Not in the legal terms, but in the basic terms, that's what it comes down to. So I just feel like what's going on today is, still going to be a problem for a very long time if we don't change the laws, the actual laws. That's the problem. And if we don't get rid of qualified immunity because these officers keep getting off and killing everybody because they know they can depend on qualified immunity. And that that bars them from a lot of stuff, from being found guilty on a lot of stuff. I didn't know that either. That kind of explains why it was Chauvin. Chauvin. How would you say his name? I mean, that's kind of why he looked so calm in that video. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the right. Yeah. He didn't look nervous at all. So yeah. it's yep. crazy. I didn't know that was a thing. And then I see a lot of people trip when they like, oh, he only got second degree murder, manslaughter, stuff like that. You never should go after an officer with first degree murder because they're so when you're trying to do murder charges, you have to prove the elements. And with elements of first degree murder, you have to prove that it was premeditated or he deliberated. And you can't really prove that with them just pulling up shooting. You know, to prove premeditation, you have to be like, oh, this person was stalking this person for a while. They thought this out. They planned this out. They left, went and got a gun and And came came back, back, stuff like that. So once he gets off on that first degree murder, you can never bring this charge. No, you can bring no more charges against him ever when it comes to murder because that's double jeopardy at that point. Mm -hmm. So that's why they go after them with second degree and manslaughter and all of that type of stuff. But that's a very interesting perspective. Um, Cause like you said, you see it every day and it seems like it's the same story over and over. But now like when you pull back the curtain from, like I said, your perspective, it kind of like sheds more light. Like, like you said, to your point, that's why he was he appeared to be so calm doing what he was doing. And it's the sick reality of it. You know what I mean? Cause you got so many others thinking like him and acting like him. So, it's very inter- interesting from that perspective that you just introduced. Uh, it's eye opening. <laughs> yeah, if you ever if you get a chance, just review qualified immunity, and you're gonna be like, "This is why all these cops yes. keep getting off." That's literally the reason that's why. Sad. So people been petitioning to get rid of qualified immunity because that's what saved them every time. Mm. That's great. Could you imagine like being like? In his mindset, because this whole time he probably thinks like I'm about to get off. Yeah. Oh, did you see his face? Oh, he was shocked. I mean, he had his mask on, but I'm sure that mouth was open behind it. Like yeah. what? Like I'm guilty? Yeah, you guilty? That's why. Like he really probably thought like it's cool. I'm about to skate. Crazy. You sat on a man neck for nine minutes, and then did you know that they knew each other before? Like I, they know they know each other. They work together as um, like bodyguards yeah. and stuff, mm-hmm. and or yeah, bouncers. And he used to, I guess, like 
George Floyd used to kind of be checking him when he would be doing like crazy mm. stuff to people in the mm-hmm. clubs or the bars or wherever it was they was working. So he already had like a vengeance against him. To me, that could have been first degree murder because that seemed premeditated. You knew him. You already had issues with him. Now you just killed him. But it's just safer not to go with first degree. Well, I just want to – you got anything? I don't got nothing else. You got nothing else? You sure? I'm good. I had another question. Okay. Uh, being in the position that you are, do you feel pressure, like, to uphold a certain level of, like, just uphold a certain standard? Like, being a woman, a black woman, like, practicing law. Or oh, what new standard you want to set? Yeah. Ooh. I definitely want to set a new standard. So, um I did good in law school. Um, I graduated cum laude, so I could go off and just apply to these jobs and, you know, try to assimilate and fit the culture of those jobs. But I don't want to. I feel like I want to be myself. I want to be comfortable. I like to talk how I talk. I like to move how I move. I like the music I listen to and stuff. So I want to paint a different picture of what we expect a lawyer to look like, you know. I still like to go out from time to time, have drinks with my friends and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot of people get into the legal field and they have to pretend to be this person. They not just to maintain this image of a lawyer. But I think not even just me, my generation of lawyers, like even on Twitter and stuff, TikTok, all of that, like we just kind of different now. Like people just more themselves. They not acting I feel like a lot of lawyers from the past, they just had to act. Like they had to act to fit in, especially black lawyers like, it's already hard to become a lawyer, and then you want to get a job, so you're going to do what it takes to get that job, right? Mm-hmm. No, nah, I don't want to go into an interview and have to put on this fake voice and do, you know. It's little things. Like, I couldn't have this color in my hair trying to go into one of those firms. Wow. My hair has to be straight going into one of those interviews. Um, I have to have on a full suit with a white collared shirt mm-hmm. buttoned up. I can't have these long nails. They can't be white. Just that type of stuff is like, I feel like you taking away from my entire image. So I want, I feel like in college, I felt pressure. Like I was just like, dang, you know, I had a friend, she did even better than me in law school. And she's working at one of the biggest law firms in Houston, the second ranked uh, law firm in Houston, making a lot of money a year. But it's like, have to put on this fake persona to do that and it's like I feel like that would just drive me crazy at work every day like and then those jobs too they don't tell you they work like 70 hours a week and stuff like that it's crazy they make a lot of money but they work like they work and I just want I felt pressure in law school though like I'm like dang you know I was cutting my nails down changing the color I start straightening my hair more I, I normally wear curly or natural um I always kept it black or I stopped wearing long weave they don't like you to wear long weave I wear my heels so high, they want your heels to be shorter. And I just felt like this is just not me. Like this mm-hmm. this type of work environment is not gonna make me happy. And I'm sure I could make the same type of money on my own outside of here. It might take me a little longer, but I'm sure I could do it. So that that was the pressure that I felt, but I don't feel it no more. What you said kind of you probably won't know because you don't got Twitter. What's that viral lawyer or attorney who I know he's talking about, but I don't know his name. Yeah, yeah. Does the TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. He, gets, he catches a lot of flack with people saying, oh, you're supposed to be a lawyer. I wouldn't hire you because here you are making TikTok videos. But I'm just like, he's a human being. <laughs> he's a human being. Like, like is he not, not supposed to have a life? But it yeah. seems like he's obviously good at what he's doing. Yeah, because he's <laughs> so, making money. Because he's making money. Yeah. So, like, I can either listen to you by saying he shouldn't be doing this or well, the guy who's getting clients left and right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it reminds me, like, I had people in school telling me, like, oh, 
you need to do this, you need to do that, and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, I'm out here, I'm in Texas by myself. I don't know nobody out here. Everybody I know is the people that I go to school with. I have no family or nothing out here. I literally came out here for school. So for a minute, I was starting to listen to them people like, oh, maybe I do need to do this and I do need to do that. And then it's just like, no, this not me. Like, I'm good. I don't have to do that. But I feel like there's a lot of law students who still currently think that way. And I just remember, like, I had referenced Cardi B. I'm like, look at Cardi B. This girl was a whole stripper, like, you know? And she don't mind saying that. And you can go on the internet and see old videos of her stripping. And then, you know, she one of the, she booking top Vogue covers, all of that now. And guess what? She's still her crazy self. Like, she don't care. Nothing's changed about her. So I'm like, and she's a millionaire. So it's just like, you, I feel like through her, like watching her, looking at her, like, and I was following her on Instagram back when she was a stripper and she was living in the projects before people even knew who she was. Yeah. So, yeah. So I watched her glow up literally, but guess what? Nothing changed about yeah. her personality. Yeah. Yeah. Like she remained herself and she's still, she on, like she's on, yeah. everybody wants to book her right now. Right. She went to the fashion show throwing shoes at Nicki Minaj and everybody like, oh, it's over with you, for you now. Yeah. No, she's only, still only ranking wow. number one. <laughs> yeah. Like you doing even better now uh what's the Anna Wintour all of them big time people out there mm -hmm. they want to work with her and yeah. she's still her crazy ratchet self so that's how I was just like no I'm still gonna be myself and I'm sure I'll still be successful the previous president of the United States was very much himself when he became the president and his wife States. was a porn star yeah. so it's just like you <laughs> can do whatever yeah, you want yeah. <laughs> do whatever yeah five to ten years where do you see <laughs> Stay out my head. I'm definitely gonna be a millionaire. Hey, speaking um, into existence. Hopefully, I'm married. Hopefully, you know, I'm single. Y'all come save me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, you better yeah. uh, watch out. <laughs> she just told us something. Oh, yeah, disclaimer. That may came with uh, come with some danger. <laughs> um, I hope to have kids by then, and I just hope to be happy. You know, like I've done a lot of traveling already. Um. I haven't made all the money that I want to make. And then I'm the only person in my family to go this far. So I definitely want to be able to make sure all of my family is good. I got like, I don't even, I can't count on my hand how many little cousins I got. But like every time I come home, it's so funny. They just come to me like, you rich. We know you rich. You rich. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, you are. Come, can you take us here? Can you take us there? And like, since I've been here, like, I've been taking them to do stuff that they normally can't do. Like, I've been taking them shopping to get, I'm like, pick out whatever shoes you want or whatever, stuff like that. And then they just get so happy, that's so nice. excited. And I just, I love seeing that. So that's what I want to do for them. And just really, I want to focus on them, like making sure they're good. Those kind of like my kids away from home or whatever. So making sure they're doing good in school, making sure they get to college. Like, that's my focus. Um, definitely building up my athletic clientele. Um, I guess in the pandemic, I haven't really had the opportunity to get to, like, games and stuff like I want to, but just meeting more athletes so I can have more clients um, behind my belt and hopefully, you know, being a good mentor to more people. Anybody need a mentor, hit me up. And, yeah, that's what I see. We'll be hitting you up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else, bro? I'm good. Uh, thank you so much. This is dope. This is definitely one of my favorite interviews. Oh, you're welcome. Dope, I like I like myself. <laughs> open door policy. You can come in whenever you're back in town from whatever you're doing. You want to come back and kick it? Talk it up? Definitely. Definitely. Thank y'all for having me, for even asking me to come. I feel... 
special. Yeah. <laughs> but bookmark this interview though, because this might be like I said, five, yeah. ten years from now, will you that millionaire? Started right here. Started right yeah, here. Yeah, this room started. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, this has been episode, I think, thirty-one of the Here to Speak podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening. See you next time.